You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Galatians chapter number five, we're going to read verse number one first, and I know it's not custom for me to do this, but we're going to read verse number one, and I'm going to skip over to verse number 13. Uh, this will be the foundation of our message this morning. And uh, so Galatians chapter number five, starting in verse number one, the Bible says, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'll read it again. Stand fast. It's a military stance. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and another thought, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The idea is if we stand fast in liberty, that we won't be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Will you look at verse number 13? Paul would write here, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Isn't that good news? We've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I'm going to read it one more time. For brethren, talking to the church, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Do you know that it's God's will for you to not just be free, but for you to continue to live in the freedom that Christ has made available to us on the cross? He says, you have been called unto liberty. Don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And we're going to talk about that this morning, but by love, serve one another. I want to tell you this, this morning... I never, and you know my heart, I'll never overlook salvation. I'm not overlooking salvation. We'll give an opportunity for somebody to give their heart and life to the Lord this morning. But this morning in my spirit, in my heart, and it's been there all week long, I've came to call the believer. I've came to call the believer to an opportunity to examine and check our own heart. To examine and check our own heart. You know, as a church that's growing, I'm here not just to add more souls to the kingdom, but I'm here to keep those believers that we have that is a part, I'm here to keep us going. Amen? And so this morning, I want you to know that I'm not overlooking salvation, but there's a need sometimes to prompt a believer. I probably won't be before you a long time, but I'm coming to talk to the believer this morning specifically. And I want to minister this thought. Stand fast in the liberty of Christ. Stand fast in the liberty of Christ. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning? Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for your presence that we've already felt, that we've already sensed here this morning. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, Lord. And I thank you, God, Lord, for being here today, Lord, to help, to condition our hearts, our ears, God, to anoint me to preach. And, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help me, Lord. God, help me to do what I can't do without your help, and that is to deliver your already anointed word. Help us to hear. Help us to receive, Lord. And for everything that is said and done this morning, I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. And so I'm going to slow down and teach a little bit this morning, but I just ask that you would listen. I'm, I'm asking that you would think a little bit. And most of all, I'm asking that you would allow the Lord to move upon your individual heart and examine yourself. 
Nobody knows you more than what the Lord does, and nobody besides that knows you better than what you know yourself. And so I pray this morning that you would examine your own heart. This letter to the Galatians, the church there at Galatians, it was a letter of correction, a letter to call them back to the foundation of the new covenant. They had already known the gospel, they had already heard the truth, and they knew that the message, the foundation that the Apostle Paul was bringing throughout every region or any area that he would go to was that foundation of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. He preached that message and he laid that foundation for people to be saved, to come into uh, that regeneration or that born-again experience that the new covenant has made available to us. But he also kept that foundation to, uh, to be the foundation by which the believer is to be changed. The Apostle Paul gave us this great revelation, the mystery of Jesus Christ that was shut up from the beginning because Jesus had not yet died on the cross of Calvary. But he gave us this revelation and he told us as we have uh, begin to walk, or as we have received Christ Jesus, so therefore walk ye in him. In other words, he said, you can be saved, you can be regenerated, you can come in to the family of God by simple faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross cross of Calvary, but believer, when you get there, it's not God's will for you to get there and to set back, and I'm going to use this word, to be lazy in our relationship, but what God's will is for you is to allow grace, which by definition is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit, to reflect in your heart. In other words, as, the, as Jesus would say in John 16, the Holy Spirit has come to lead us, guide us, and direct us into all truth, and the Apostle Paul says that's what grace was made available to you is so that you can now have an individual relationship with Jesus Christ and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because what he wants to do is to lead you, guide you, and to direct you into all truth. Nowhere in the Bible will you find is that what the Holy Spirit wants to do you in your life is to take you to a place to set you down and nobody ever even know that you're a believer and not be active in the kingdom of God. That is not God's will will for the believer. God's will for the believer is that grace is flowing, that you are being changed, that your desires are being changed, and that you are getting closer and closer and being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul would say, hey, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ that live in me. And now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2 and 21. I do not, I do not frustrate the grace of God. In other words, I'm not going to cut off, I'm not going to make void, I'm not going to neutralize the only help that I have to be what I need to be. Believer, I come to tell you, when you got saved, you wasn't finished. When you got saved, God didn't put you off in a corner and put a piece of duct tape on your mouth. When you got saved, God didn't handcuff you. When you got saved, God said, all right now, I'm going to make you to be a witness unto me uh, everywhere that you go. I'm going to change your way that you talk, the way that you walk. I'm going to change the people that wants to hang around with you because I need you to be a voice that is crying in the wilderness to make straight the way of God. That's what he did. 
He needs a voice. Listen, somebody around us is dying and going straight to a devil's hell. You cannot afford to be silent. I love the song Brother Shea sang earlier. I thought, well, he's going to sing my message. But he says, I will not be silent. I will not be silent. No, sir, I will not be silent. I'm not ashamed. My whole life has changed because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. This letter was a letter of correction, a letter to call them back to the foundation of the new covenant. What had happened here is that many had fallen back under legalism or fallen back under law. Many, most of them had fall, fell back under legalism or law. In other words, they say, well, now that I've got saved by faith in Jesus, it's all up to me about what I do in order for me to grow in the Lord. Do you know, I've said it before, Pastor Brian said it, but I'm going to keep saying it. Do you know that 70% of believers believe that you will go to heaven by what you do? Do you know why the majority of the church is wrapped up in religion, acts after acts after acts? This is what we do, this is what we do, this is what we do. It's because they're bound by religion. I want to tell you this morning, not only will 70% not go to heaven because of what they do, nobody is going because of what they do. Nobody. You know who nobody is? That's me and you. We're not going by what we do. We're going by what we believe. The Lord didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't baptize you into Christ because of what you've done. You don't earn salvation. You don't work for salvation. You don't merit salvation. Neither do you earn the grace of God to change us in the, in the life that we live now. Listen, it's all by faith in Christ and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. The Holy Spirit cannot work any other way. Some had fallen to legalism. Some fell back in the law, but here's where this church is at today. I feel in my spirit, this is, I don't mean this church as a whole, but I feel this is what I need to pinpoint as this church. When we read verse number 13, he says, don't use liberty as an occasion for the flesh. In other words, these were not men that fell back into law and fell back into legalism. These were people that were using liberty as an occasion to the flesh. In other words, they knew they were justified. They knew their name was in the Lamb's book of life. They knew they were saved. But all of a sudden, the flesh began to persuade them because you're saved. Because you're, you're secure. Your salvation is secure. You don't have to press on into Christ. You can allow the flesh to be lazy now. And so they sat back. Oh, I'm preaching good. Drop that pen. They were resting in the fact that they were justified and no longer pressing in to be changed. Oh, that's good, Brother Shea. They were no longer looking to be changed. Oh, they were going to church. <laughs> they just wasn't looking to be changed. They were comfortable. This feels good. I'm doing the right thing. But they wasn't looking to be changed. They were using the liberty, the liberty that Christ had made for them to be free as an occasion, I'm going to just say it like this, an occasion of laziness in their walk with God. They got lazy. Anybody in here besides me, don't, don't raise your hand, don't say amen. I said, besides me, I cut to the front of the line. 
Anybody besides me ever got lazy in their walk with God? Got a little lazy with my walk with the Lord. It's easy if I get up and go to open my Bible and look outside and my horse is running in the yard and he's not in the pen where he's supposed to be. And I'm running out. It's a good thing I don't live where the public can see me because I'm running out. I'm grabbing boots and that's basically it. And I'm over trying to catch a horse because I don't want him getting on the highway. And, and all of a sudden I'm flustered. And I don't read that morning and spend my time with the Lord like I should. And I'm the only one in the building that's ever done that. Things got ahead of me. And all of a sudden, my time with God was not as valuable as what it once was. I got lazy, occasion with the flesh. They didn't realize that all of these things, legalism, law, being lazy in the flesh, they didn't realize that it was putting them in a backslidden condition. If you revert to law, if you revert to legalism, if you just get lazy in the flesh, well, what does that mean? I told you I was going to slow down and teach. I want you to think. What does that mean? If I'm being lazy and setting back in my relationship with the Lord, what I'm not doing is pressing toward the mark. And if I'm not pressing toward the mark, I have stopped. And the term backslidden means that I have stopped. Doesn't mean, listen, don't take me wrong and don't, don't, don't get religious on me. Doesn't mean that I'm not saved at that moment. But it means I have come to a place where I have stopped. Before you can quit believing upon the Lord and come to a place where you lose your salvation, I know that there are some that would disagree with it, but the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith. Nobody is making you believe. If you ever come to the place where you no longer believe, your salvation is in danger. Before I can quit believing, I first got to stop. Before I can quit going forward, I got to stop. You don't take a horse, run him down through there, and all of a sudden go to backwards. Before he can go backwards, he's got to stop somewhere. We teach our young coats when we're training them, uh, and I've taught, passed it along to Kinley. I want them to have a good stop on them. I said, listen, as soon as you stop them, you make them back up a step or two before, before you're done, before you quit them. Why do we do that? Because I want them to have a good stop. They know if I ask them to stop, not only do they got to stop, they got to back up a couple of steps. So they're already in their mind thinking that I've got to back up, so I'm going to hurry up and stop and back up a little bit. Listen, before you can go backward, you got to stop. That's what they had done. They're no longer going forward, and the result of their backsliding reverted them to law or becoming lazy. All sorts of sin begin to arise. Galatians, when he came into the church at Galatians, he found all of a sudden believers were okay with fornication. Some believers were okay with adultery. Some believers were okay with gossiping. Some of them were lying. Some of them were backslidden, much as we have in the world today. All of a sudden, this church was okay with all types of sins in their life. When the Apostle Paul come in and begin to assess them and begin to sit with them, he learned that they was not acting. They wasn't. I know somebody said, well, God's not looking for actors. No, God isn't looking for actors, but he is looking for somebody that is being changed into his image. 
He no longer seen that image being mirrored. What he seen was the image of the world being mirrored. And the Apostle Paul in verse number 6, chapter 1, starts out and says, I marvel. In other words, I am amazed that you have been so soon removed from the gospel that was once delivered unto you. In other words, to the church, you were being changed. You were on fire. You were excited about the work of God. You were being used by God. You were being used and you were hungry for the ministry. Why are you now removed from that gospel? He said, what happened? What went wrong? And listen, when the church is okay, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a perfect man. I'll go further and say this, you're not perfect either. Because everybody in here has got things in our life that needs to be changed. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. We have things that needs to be changed. But if you come to the place that you're all right with sin, something is wrong with your salvation. The church was being all right with her sin. Believer, I didn't come to Christ, and I don't think you did either, to fall back into bondage again. Come on. You remember where you were at when Jesus found you. You remember how bound. You remember how dark it was. I didn't come from that all of a sudden to fall back in to that bondage all over again. I go to the agape house and I'll tell them, if you're here to be delivered or to, to be free from drugs and to be free from that addiction, you're here for the wrong reason because you've got more than one problem. You've got more than just a problem of addiction. You need to be here to find a relationship with Jesus Christ because once he delivers you from drugs, listen, he's not done with you. There's more than one problem. We're a wreck. We're a mess. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't come to Jesus to fall back into bondage. And I don't believe that you did either. I, be, I think that the thing that we tend to overlook is that we reverting back to bondage doesn't happen overnight. Nobody on fire for, for God and excited about the work of the Lord got up one morning and said, I'm done with it and I'm going to not live for God no more. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever done that. And if they did, they wasn't being truthful. If you've got saved and Jesus lives in your heart, you don't just throw him away overnight. Nobody does that. It doesn't happen overnight. It's slowly. Starts creeping into your heart. Starts creeping into your home. Creeping into your marriage. Little by little, the enemy comes in to try to bind, giving the believer reasons to no longer press toward the mark. The day comes... Where all of a sudden, little by little, we just been, I just took a lazy day. And all of a sudden, I took two lazy days. And all of a sudden, it turns into four or five lazy days. And before I know it, I look around and think, my Lord, how did I ever get here? It's a little by little bondage. Just a little bit at a time. And all of a sudden, I'm entrapped, backslidden, wishing that I was back in my relationship with the Lord in a one-on-one relationship. Listen, it's just in my spirit this morning to look into this text and to caution us today to stand fast and be not entangled again because that's not what you want. You don't want to be entangled again with sin. I don't want to be entangled again with sin. So I just come to caution us. I said us. I'm preaching to me. We're different. I don't mean this in the wrong way. Please don't take me wrong, and if you watch later by life, 
If you have a question about anything I'm about to say, please give me, give me an opportunity. Call me, message me. Give me an opportunity to explain myself. We're different than other churches. We're not better than. We're not holier than thou. But we're different than other churches. The majority of the church either preaches grace as a license, do whatever you want, or they're bound by religion and they're teaching law and legalism. The majority. We're not teaching or preaching either one. We're not teaching grace as a license sin because God hates sin. And sin separates man from God. But I'm not going to tell you how to be free and be changed is by law or works or legalism or religion. Absolutely not. Because that would put you back under bondage. What I'm going to tell you and what's different is I believe that you're saved by faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. I believe that the moment that God sees your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, that the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes you and baptizes you into Christ. I believe at that moment that you, that the power of sin is broken in your life, that you are buried with Christ, and that you are raised up to live in a new life in Christ Jesus. But the place that we differ is this, how am I changed? How am I free from depression? How am I free from oppression? Listen to me. How am I free from drugs? How am I free from bondage? I'm not going to point you to a 12-step program. I'm not going to tell you to take communion every day. I'm not going to tell you to pray more. I'm not going to tell you to read more. I'm going to tell you this, that the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that happened the moment that you placed your faith in Jesus, uh, the powerful moment, the powerful miracle, as powerful as what God came on the scene when you were lost is as powerful as when He will come on the scene when you are bound. Uh, if you are bound, if you'll place your faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit will come to change you, to deliver for you to break bondages uh, and to set the captive free. It's not by what you do, it's by what you believe. It's not by what you do, it's by what you believe. No sir, church, it's not by what we do, it's by what we believe in. And if you believe right, oh you're going to do right. Because what happened was when I placed my faith in Jesus, he started changing my desires. He started changing my desires, Brother Charles. I no longer want the things of the flesh. Well, how long did it take? Hey, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Well, I've been believing God for this same thing for a month. Well, believe him for two months. I've been believing for six months. Well, believe him for a year. Because the truth is, as long as you keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power, God the Holy Ghost will not quit you. He will continue to work on you to change you, to make us what we need to be. Now, we believe the power of the Holy Spirit, and we anxiously, I anxiously, listen, I anxiously await to tell the addict, to tell those that are bound, I anxiously await to tell them that the answer that you seek for is found in the cross of Christ. He's done made himself too real to me. 
I don't care if it's the bondage of religion, the bondage of homosexuality. I don't care if it's drug addiction, alcohol addiction. I don't care if it's oppression, depression. I don't care if it's the lust of the flesh, fornication. I don't care what it is. If you'll place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to deliver you. See, we're not here just to lay hands and deliver you. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Father has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to, to, to mend the broken heart, to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captive. That's how we preach it. We tell people how. We tell them how. We tell them how to be free from sin. By faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Just talking about it. Make my spirit stir because that's the order by which we should walk is faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. But I want to caution us and I want to do a little illustration this morning that we've got to be careful. Though we know we're justified by our faith, declared not guilty, we got to be careful not to become lazy and use liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Because we will find ourselves entangled again in a bondage that we don't want. You come to Jesus because you wanted freedom. You come to Jesus, and yes, if you're entangled again, he'll free you again if you'll place your faith in him. But what we really want is to grow in God, not to go back to where we came from. You know why Jesus buried the old man? Because that's the man we didn't want to see. I've said it several times, but I think about Brother Greg's testimony. Sit up here sitting in a hospital parking lot in his truck. There was a different man that pulled out of that parking lot than what pulled in. He left an old man there. I can't, Lord, but you can. And if you'll deliver me, I'll serve you. He pulled in an addict, and he pulled out somebody that had been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's had no desire. I haven't even asked him this. He's got no desire this morning to pull back into that parking lot and to pick up the old man again. He's got no desire for that. I came to tell you, believer, you didn't come to Jesus and become set free just to go back to what you were entangled in. I was delivered. I don't want the old man no more. I want what Jesus has. and I believe that's what you want also. I want to go back to this. I want you to look at these words. If you've got your Bible, open it up. If not, Look along with me this morning. Look at verse number one, if you would, please, Sarah. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Lane, would you help me this morning? I just want you to stand here, Lane, just like this. Military stand. Stand fast. It's a military stance. It means when the military were called to make a stand, they didn't retreat and they didn't run and they didn't go back unless their commander called them to. If he see that they were being defeated and he had to call retreat, then they would retreat. This is a military stance. The thing about being in the, being in the army of God and being a good soldier of Jesus Christ is your commander is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And because of him already defeating everything that sin could produce on the cross of Calvary, there's a lot of things in your walk with God that he might ask you to do, but he's never going to ask you to retreat. 
Because there's no reason for retreat. Because you're not even trying to win a victory. You're just trying to stand in a victory that he already won. Why would he call retreat over a victory that he's already won? Why would he call you from an enemy that he's already defeated? In other words, let me break it down. He's not going to call you from depression. He's not going to call you to retreat and to bow down to a bondage. He's not going to call you to bow down to the things of the world that they are permitting that the church knows is sin. He's going to call you to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has made you free because he has already defeated anything you'll ever face. So it's a military stance. He says stand fast. Just stand fast. The word stand fast literally means to become stationary and to be established. A military man, a soldier, he's planted his feet. He's established. In other words, his stance means this. I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to run. I'm going to stand where my commander told me to stand. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, he is established in his footwork. He says this. Stand fast in the liberty. The word liberty means here that he's unrestrained, no longer a slave to any bondage. What is he standing in? He's standing in liberty. Where did the liberty come from that we stand in? It come from what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. What is he standing in? He's standing in the assurance that anything and everything that I will ever face in this life, Jesus has already defeated. He's established faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. He says this, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. The word has made us free, the phrase there actually has made and free is broken down into two different ones. But it means the same thing. Has made us free, it means this, to liberate us. It means once that he was bound, wrapped up. And all of a sudden, Jesus come in, and he began to liberate. He began to tear off bondages. He began to tear off chains and liberate us. He has liberated us. Look, anywhere outside, go with me, outside of the stance, standing in the liberty of Christ, the bondage resides and the bondage lives. Anywhere that you go to, anything that you turn to, the bondage is accessible to bind you one more time. But as long as he stands where Jesus told him to stand, which was faith in what he's already done in the cross of Calvary, in this area, there is liberty. This is where he was liberated. Where was I liberated? I was liberated the moment that Jesus said, it is finished. I placed my faith in him and he set me free. Why would I want to move from that? Why would I want to move from that? He said, stand fast in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Don't move. Don't go anywhere, believer. Stay right there. That's where, that's where you were liberated. So that's where I'm going to stay. And then he says this. Be not entangled. The word entangled literally means to take a position unwilling to move, persuaded by something. To be persuaded by something, watch this, I love what Strong brings out here. Something that is in agreement with my flesh. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Because you know what? There is things that will agree with Brother Troy's flesh 
that may not agree with my flesh. In other words, there may be things in your life that is a pull for you in the flesh that is not a pull for me. Come on, I'm preaching good. You can lay out all the drugs in front of me that you want to lay out. Okay? I'm going to look at you and say, what is that? Doesn't make me better than anybody at all. But I have no knowledge of drugs. I've never smoked any type. I've never done any type, any type of drugs at all. Okay? So lay it out in front of me. That don't pull at my flesh. I have no desire there. But you take somebody else, and they're like, hmm, that looks good. What I'm telling you is, is when the word entangled is something that is in agreement with my flesh, is the devil knows exactly what card to pull to trip you. He knows exactly what card to pull that will agree with your flesh. And he knows exactly what card to pull that will agree with my flesh. Are we still here this morning? Be not entangled again. But watch it. The devil's not going to hit him with something that don't pull at his flesh. What's the point? He's smarter than that. He's going to find something that's in agreement with his flesh. And all of a sudden, look at this. Okay, I'll move on. Entangled. It's easy to sit in that justified position and not be changed. But little by little, the devil is always making a plan. And then he says this, entangled again with that yoke of bondage. The word yoke gives us a picture, because that's what they used, of two oxen that were yoked together, pulling the same way. That yoke of bondage. Whatever I'm yoked to, whatever I am joined to, that's the direction I'm going. And here's the truth of the matter. You're either joined to bondage or you're joined to liberty. Oh, well, you know, I'm really not either one. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Because you're either a servant of unrighteousness or you're a servant of righteousness. Well, I'm kind of in between. You know what that means? That means you're serving unrighteousness. There's only two masters. Well, you know, I don't serve God maybe like I should, but I don't serve the devil. It's exactly what he wants you to think. If you're not serving God, he's got you where he wants you. Oh, that's good preaching. And then he says, being tangled with that yoke of bondage, the word bondage is that I'm a servant to. I'm a servant to. What am I a servant to? Am I a servant to Christ and freedom, or am I a servant to bondage? Verse number 13, I'm not going to spend much time here. Stay with me. I know I'll let you stand it, brother. For brethren, you've not been, you have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but... By love, serve one another. You've been called to liberty. In verse number 13, he says, Use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Listen to me, Faith Worship Center. Listen, everybody, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God, as, as glorious as what we shout and as much as what we're thankful for, justification by faith and being pronounced not guilty before the Lord Heaven's courtroom is satisfied because of my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. But God has not called you to sit back and just be justified. That's using liberty as an occasion to the flesh. 
I found a comfortable spot. My name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank God for that. I'm not playing that down. I found a comfortable spot. I know I'm justified. I found a comfortable spot. I don't have to worry about my salvation in the Lord. Listen, wonderful. Thank God for that. Now, if God is good enough to save you, He's good enough for you to serve Him. Praise the Lord. So many people, the Lord does something for them, and they won't serve God. If it's good enough to touch you, he's good enough to, for us to comment about on Facebook, he's good enough for us to serve him. I'm preaching good. We shouldn't use liberty as an opportunity to be slack in our relationship with Christ. Verse number seven. Go back to verse seven for me, please. He says, I want you to look at this. I'm not going to be before you much longer. I know I started out that way, but I really mean it this time. He said, you did run well. You did run well. Notice the wording. Who? Who? Who did hinder you? And you should not obey the truth. Let me bring out a couple of things here. The word run means to be on course. The Apostle Paul said, you professed a good profession. It literally means my spiritual career is to run this race, to place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. That's my spiritual career. I professed a good profession. And then he says this, who did hinder you? Notice he says who and not what. Oh, I've got this problem. No, you've got a who problem. Well, I've got this going on. No, you don't. You've got a who going on. Well, I, you just don't know. You know, I've got this right and I've got this that. It's not, it's not a what. No. It's a who. Because all of the excuses and all of the ideas is not just a what. It's a rotten devil that's gave you the idea of a good excuse that you think that you have, that has been agreement in your flesh to set back on my relationship with the Lord. It's not a what. It's a who. Who did? You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? What does that mean? To obey the truth means to place my faith in the truth, Jesus Christ, and to walk in the Spirit. Who hindered you that you should not obey the word obey here literally means to yield to Christ. Yield. If you're sitting down and comfortable in justification uh, position, you're not yielding to Christ. Amen. The word truth is Christ. The, tire, the idea here is, is that we get tired of the trial. And so we sit back for a while. I said we. Maybe I should have said I. I get tired of the trial. So I sat back for a little while. I got to look at verse number 8. And then I called Lane up here for a reason. He's thinking, why am I here? I did call him up here for a reason. Verse number 8. This is good. It made me. It made me repent a little bit. Because it. The Apostle Paul is very specific. Watch this. 
This persuasion cometh not of him that called you. This didn't. This persuasion to sit back, to come off my stand and sit down, go ahead and sit down, and to sit back, this didn't come from Jesus who called you. We're not in the will of God if I've sat back, but the word persuasion is really good. I hated it when I read it. I'm thinking, man, that's good, but I've been there, and I don't like the picture that it presents, but the word persuasion, look. And again, I invite you to go check these out. I'm going from a simple Strong's because it takes us back to the original text and what the words mean. The word persuasion literally means to pacify. The picture we get is as a baby with a pacifier. I don't have a baby, not a dad. But I have seen over and over where parents or somebody will use a pacifier. You know why they use a pacifier? I call them a stopper because the baby's getting loud, noisy, or whatever. Where's the pacifier? Pop that thing in. They go to work. They're quiet. But you know what a pacifier, the nipple on a pacifier resembles that of a, of a bottle. When they get a bottle, they're getting some milk. They're getting fed so they can grow. If that bottle runs out and they're still hungry, you're going to know it in a hurry. But a pacifier is just, I'm really not hungry. I'm just kind of fussy. And I just want to pretend like I'm eating. Because I don't really want to grow in the Lord. I don't want, I could bring Melissa up here. She could give you a good visual. I don't really want to grow in the Lord. I just want to sit here and be comfortable, and I want everybody around me to think, you know, I'm, I'm growing. I'm going through the motion. So take a pacifier and pop in its mouth. It's not going to give you no nutrients. It's going to keep you quiet and keep you comfortable for a while. So the Apostle Paul's telling them like this. It's just straightforward, I know, but I'm going to just tell you like he's, I know. If Apostle Paul come here and preach one service, none of us would come back the next service. We wouldn't. But he's literally saying, you have become a bunch of spiritual babies that has a pacifier in your mouth, just going through the motions because you got no desire to grow. And I want you to know that this thought, this idea, it did not come from Jesus. That's what he's saying. Oh, that's harsh. Well, that's Paul's words. That is not my word. But here's what's happening. Here's the picture. You get a military stance. Take a military stance. Stand strong. And all of a sudden, you've got one thing after another that comes and that hits you. I have experienced in my Christian life that a lot of times quickly place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And whatever it is that hit me, that afflicted me, bounced off. God delivered me from it. God began to change me from it. And it was not Thank you, Jesus, and we move right on. But there are times that there is one particular thorn in the flesh that comes and it stands right here and it's afflicting. I know that's annoying, but 
It's afflicting me over and over and over. And all I'm doing is saying, I placed my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And it's like the enemy doesn't hear me and Jesus doesn't hear me. And it keeps on and it keeps on. And I'm trying to make a military stance, but the enemy is keep coming. And when the enemy keeps coming and I get hit over and over and over and over again, the devil is saying, why don't you just retreat? Why don't you just sit back? If you'll sit down a while, that trial won't keep hitting you. It will eventually not affect you so much. And he just keeps on and keeps on. The trial is hitting me. And the enemy is saying, why don't you just sit down? And before long, something agreed with my flesh. And I took a seat and I come off of my military stance. And I'm no longer standing for the Lord. And so the apostle Paul would say, you did run well. Who hindered you that you would not no longer obey the truth? This persuasion, this pacifying, when we sat down, we take the pacifier in our mouth. This did not come from the Lord. This didn't come from the Lord. And then in verse number 13, he says, don't use your liberty. Don't use it as an occasion or to please the flesh. Don't use it as to please the flesh. So I come to ask you something this morning. Just a pastor trying to encourage his people because that's my job and that's my desire. And besides, I wouldn't be obedient to the Lord if I, if I preached anything else this morning. I want to ask you a question before I hush. If you, and only you know, because you know what? We can go through the motions and fool everybody in here. You can go through the motions. You can fool everybody that's in here. If you're using liberty as an occasion to, flat, to the flesh, I want to ask you a question. What happened? What happened? You don't want to go back into bondage. You don't want to go back and be entangled again from the very thing that God delivered you from. What happened this morning? Why is it that you, your prayer life is not what it was. Why is it that you're no longer an example to worship? Why is it that you don't pick your Bible up except for church? Why is it that you just come to the house of God when it's convenient and no longer a faithfulness to the house of God? How come you're not using the gifts of the Spirit no longer? Why is it that you don't come in with a desire for God to meet your need and get fed the truth? Is this okay? What happened? What happened, believer? What happened to your desire for ministry? It's not a what, it's a who. What happened for your, the, uh, with your heart that burned with a desire to reach the lost? What happened? What happened for you seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What happened? Why did you quit believing God to deliver you from the bondage that nobody knows you have? What happened? You did run well. You did run well. Who hindered you? Why is it? That we're no longer... Pressing toward the mark 
How is it you can take a calling that you know you have and set it off to the side? What happened to be a voice crying in the wilderness? What happened? Who did hinder you? You would not obey the truth. It didn't come from Christ. What I've come to tell you this morning is the reason we sat back and we're all right with a pacifier. I don't mean that rude. I'm just trying to show you the scripture plain. Is because the enemy has made it comfortable. He's made a compromise with the flesh. I'm justified. I just don't want to grow in the Lord. And he's made it, in our own mind, we've made an agreement. Yeah, I think this is where I'll stay. Every time I press in, it seems like I get attacked. Every time I want more of God, it seems like a trial's coming. Well, welcome to Christianity. God's going to make us pray. Sometimes he's got to let us be crushed. Brother Torrance was preaching last night in North Carolina, Brother Jason Collins Church. And he made the statement. He said, we want the oil. We just don't want the crushing. You don't get juice from grapes unless they're crushed. Oh, we want the oil. We want the new wine. We just don't want to be crushed. Believer, I come to call you again to stand fast, to get back up off your position of being seated, to take your military stance one more time, and to say, my God, <laughs> I want to stand in the place that I've been liberated from. I don't want my flesh to win. I don't want the enemy to win. I want to stand strong and allow you to be changed. I told you starting out, and I'm about to hush. Brother Jeff, would you come? We're not like every other church. We're preaching that no long, not only are you saved by faith in Christ, but we're also preaching and teaching that you ought to be changed. Do you know you're the greatest witness? I know we got social media. I know we've got other things that we could do to advertise. You're the greatest witness for this church. Are you being changed or are you using liberty as an occasion for the flesh? Look, a baby can only survive with a pacifier for just a short time. Pretty soon he's going to have to have some nutrition. You're not going to be able to survive sitting back with a pacifier but just for just a short time. Pretty soon I've got to have some nutrition. I've got to grow in the Lord. So I come to charge you this morning. This is my message. Believer, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled. Don't be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I can see that you are drawing Hallelujah. a line in the sand. I want to be standing by your side, holding your hand. Let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. 
This is my plea. Let the worshipers arise. All we need them today. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my heart. Surrender my heart, God. To you, oh Lord. I surrender to the King. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. Hallelujah. I'm surrendering my home. Thank you, Jesus. Help us My altar call this morning, two part. First of all, I want to tell you this morning, I may not know you here this morning. I may not know what you've been through, what you're going through now, what it is that has bound your mind or bound your heart. I may not know, but I'm going to tell you this morning that even if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, He's got a place in His army for you to stand. And He'll start to liberate you from anything and everything that tries to tear your life down. I come to tell you, for the new believer, there's liberty. And I also come this morning to call the believer that has set back and using liberty as an occasion for the flesh. We need you in the army of God. We're not done yet. We've not yet possessed all of the land. There's still much work to be done. There's still many souls to be reached. And it'll take each and every one of us to get the work of God done. I came to call you this morning back to the front line. To stand fast in a military stance in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. We need you preacher. We need you teacher. We need you prayer warrior. We need you worshiper. We need you layman. We need you to take your place on the wall and to stand for Jesus Christ. It'll take all of us. But with all with, with Jesus Christ, there's nothing that we can't accomplish for the work of God. That's my old call this morning and I invite you to come as he sings it one more time come and let's say God here am I forgive me for setting back but use me one more time to stand fast in the liberty that has made me free this morning uh, would you come Lord I give you my heart I give you my soul and I live for you Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, just have your way in me, and let the worshipers arise, let the sons and the daughters sing. I'll put it in our heart, Lord. Move upon your people this morning, Lord. Give us a desire, Lord, to stand fast in liberty, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that every individual, God, Lord, would have that hunger, that desire, for the power of the Holy Spirit to move through us, Lord, to be what you want us to be, God, to take that military stance, God, Lord, to stand and to not be moved this morning, Lord. 
God, but to continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I pray for every believer here this morning, every individual here this morning, every family, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would build that hunger, that desire one more time. Help our men to lead, Lord. Help our families to come together, God. Help our children to be zealous about the work and the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Move on your people this morning, Lord. And we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. In the name of Jesus, bless your people this morning, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Song of our King, let the worshipers arise. Hallelujah. Let the sons of Jesus. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail. Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.